The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. We have 5.1 million people living in the country. That's, I think, the highest since the crash in 2008 and we started to have emigration again because of our financial circumstances changing. Uh, Lots of people coming into the country in the year to April, 120,000 of them, of which there were 28,900 returning Irish nationals, which Alan Barris, Chief Executive of the SRI, is very interesting because of all the people saying that, you know, Ireland has failed and Ireland are leaving, we seem to have as many people coming back who are Irish as we have leaving every year. No, absolutely. Um, these are remarkable figures. And I mean, just to pick you up on the the, the first point, this is the highest uh, population numbers, not just since, you know, the crisis since 1851. Ever? Well, certainly if you go back, you know, this sort of statistic that before the famine. But in the on, history on, of the state, I suppose. Oh, certainly, in, certainly in the history of the state over the last hundred years. Um, and again, you know, the way we, we often have discussions about like, you know, is GDP a good measure of the health of a country and everything like that? I mean, some would argue that the, the most straightforward measure of the attractiveness and the health of a country is the extent to which people are coming to it and having children in it uh, versus leaving. So if you have population growth it is a sign that, you know, something in spite of all the problems, some, something is going uh, correct. So you're right, we we, we had uh, you know, net, net migration of about uh, 60,000, that's across all groups. Uh, part of that is uh, 28,000 Ukrainians. They've been counted uh, in that. But even if you take out the Ukrainians, it's a very, very strong and positive net inflow, both of returning Irish emigrants, non-nationals coming to Ireland. Uh, and again, if you sort of compare these figures uh, internationally, it's it's just still, still a sign that Ireland seems to be an attractive place to come to. Are you surprised that people are coming back given that many may have left because of the cost of accommodation here in Ireland or there might have been job opportunities in other countries that pay a lot better? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, people move around for a whole variety uh, of, of, of reasons. And I mean, one of the things certainly with, with Irish people, we've known this for many, many years, even when the economy has done extremely well, Irish people have always left. Um, very often this was for, um, you know, labour market reasons. They, they may have studied in Ireland and gone to get sort of further job experience somewhere else uh, or they may have just gone for a bit of adventure or whatever it is. But so that movement in and out of Ireland uh, ha- has always been there. I have to say, um, given the sort of scale of the housing difficulties and, you know, in particular, uh, and I think a lot of media coverage at the moment, I would have expected there to be just on, you know, my, my expectations had been conditioned by the, uh, the discussion. I would have expected expected a, a net outflow possibly of Irish people. But if anything, we, we've, uh, you know, the, the inflows and the outflows are, are balanced amongst Irish yeah. people. There's a listener who says, all the youth are leaving again in droves. You're in denial. That is not what well, the numbers not, not, tell not us. Not according to the, I mean, it's absolutely the case that something like about, I think, 27,000 did leave, but 28,000 came back. And of the 20,000, so. 27,000 left, is it reasonable to assume that some of them did so because they just fancy living away from Ireland for a while as part of their own lifestyle no, development. I, no, I, as much as it might be other people are genuinely fed up with the high cost of living yeah, no, here. No, no, absolutely. And I mean, if, if I, I could quote, uh, I did some research on this over the years because I've always been fascinated by the inflows and outflows. But one of the things we discovered um, a number of years ago is that people who have lived outside of Ireland for a number of years uh, earn more than comparable people who never left. 
Okay, and controlling for a range of, of factors, it's it's actually quite important. Uh, the the wage premium sort of varies between about five percent and ten percent. So there's a sense that you know foreign skills are actually really highly valued in the Irish labour market. So to the extent that people were sort of aware of this, going away for a number of years and coming back was actually a really really clever um, sort of you know part of your overall human capital development. Okay, but there is something else very interesting. Like we have another guest who I want to bring in in a moment, but. Explain to me how the numbers are going for the over 65s because it seems that over the last six years we've had a dramatic increase in what we might call the ageing population. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, You know, just to add here, as an economist, I'm often on to defend poor economic forecasts and projections and absolutely that's okay. But actually the demographers are much better at this than the the economists. So, you know, for quite a long time, demographers have been projecting um, population ageing, the increasing not just the numbers of people over the age of 65 as people live longer, but also an increasing proportion of the population in that age group because there's more of them and then the younger groups are shrinking uh, because of uh, reduced fertility. So, um, again, simple enough statistic without sort of drowning people in numbers. If you go back to 2016, there was about 13% of the population aged over 65. Uh, Six years later, that's now 15%. Okay, so we're on that very, very clear trajectory. At the other age, uh, end of the age distribution, the number of people under 15 ha- has now, as a proportion of the population, it's dropping, but it actually in, in number terms, it's dropping a little bit as well. But isn't this going to lead to all sorts of financial consequences as we have more people who maybe are dependent on pensions and fewer people, at least if we don't have significant immigration, actually working in the economy to provide the money to fund those pensions. No, this is the annual reminder uh, that that debate over the pension age uh, is, you know, delusional uh, to a certain degree. Now, I know, you know, a number of people have tried to deal with this and have tried to talk about it. Uh, There is simply no getting away from the demographic fact uh, that the population is ageing. The number of people in uh, out of work in retirement relative to the number of people in work is is moving against us. And so over time, the pension bill is going to become unsustainable. There's a number of things we can choose to do. We could work longer, we could reduce pension benefits, or we could increase contributions. We could also do all three of those things together. Uh, but it, th- there's a sense in which that, you know, once again, we've had an iteration recently of the of the pensions debate, which seemed to be, you know, to a certain extent, just divorced from the simple demographic reality uh, that population a- is, is ageing and there are cost implications. Celine Clark is with us as well from Age Action. Would you regard this though as good news, you know, that we're getting this older population that than in previous generations because it implies that we're living longer and healthier lives. Absolutely. The fact that we are living longer and healthier lives is a testament to human ingenuity. An ageing population is a success and a healthy ageing population is an even more successful um, fact. But seeing it as anything else is just a failure to plan properly. There are over one million people in Ireland aged over 60 now. It's not an homogenous group at any age but and definitely people over the age of 65 are not the same. Some of us are homeowners, renters, and unfortunately, some of us are also homeless. Most older persons live at home at any one time. Only 5.3% of the population over the age of 65 is living in a communal setting, such as a nursing home or hospital. Some of us are working, as has been spoken about, because we have to or because we choose to. And some of us are unable to work because of ageism or health issues or caring duties. 
And at the same time, ageist stereotypes persist and there are profound inequalities experienced by our older persons. Um, income, obviously, is one of the factors that influences how we experience older age. And that's why the adequacy of the state pension is critical. But it's also why we need an holistic approach to policy making that older people are largely seen as something to do with the health but it's not. It's across all government departments. And um, we've been calling for a commissioner for ageing and older persons to be established to promote the rights of all of us as we age. We tend to lose um, our representation and our voice in older age, particularly when we leave the labour market. We don't have the protection of employment law or um, representation through um, unions. So a commissioner for ageing and older persons, as they have in Northern Ireland and in Wales, would be um, something that's easily funded here. Two, two million could do it in, in this year's budget. We also need a comprehensive new national ageing strategy that will include identi- um, actions to identify and eradicate ageism, but also... Sorry, can, um, excuse me one second, Celine. Just give me examples as what you regard as ageism that people over the age of 65 might suffer at present. Well, for example, mandatory retirement contracts. Um, So many people will have uh, a mandatory retirement clause in their contracts, which says that they need to retire at the age of 65. Now, that immediately pushes people out of the labour market and they're not eligible to get the state pension until they're 66. So they're pushed out of the labour market. They can't access the full state pension for another 12 months. And they don't have the choice anymore to work for longer if they do. And they have to seek alternative employment. So that's one example um, that's um, quite prevalent and it's accepted almost to the point. Now, we do welcome the fact that and there is acknowledgement by government that we have to deal with that. And the Oireachtas Committee on Social Protection um, in its report actually responding to the Pensions Commission acknowledged that we um, have to deal with these mandatory retirement clauses. Um uh, because it is ageist. Like, there's no other way around it. It's okay. just an ageist measure. Alan Barrett, you were also involved previously in the Irish Longitudinal Study on Ageing. So what major changes do you think are needed? Well, to pick up on some, some of the points there, um, I mean, I, I, I fundamentally believe that ultimately we are going to have to work longer um it, it you know it's it, it's back to the issue of the you know the funding of pensions and the making sure that the pension system is sustainable but i also think to pick up on the the points that Celine was making as as we are are you know aging we're, we're doing so in a much healthier way um so the sort of the, the the work possibilities are you know an awful lot stronger than they previously might have been but in that i think we need to be thinking about redesigning some uh, aspects of work so i think for an awful lot of people in their their mid 60s they want to carry on working. They may just not want to carry on working at the particular level that they're at with all the stresses and strains. So I think one of the important things is, is almost like reimagining uh, work. And if I can give you a little cute idea that I've heard thrown around in this context, uh, I've heard at RQG, you should be able to take a gap year when you're 65. Uh, wasted on kids who are 18 or 22 but at the age of 65 you should be able to step down from the role you're in take a year out and then you know backpack around Thailand and then go back uh, later in into you into the workforce There's an idea Alan Barrett from the SRI Celine Clark from Age Action thank you The Last Word with Matt Cooper Today FM It all happens here